This is Everyday Driver, where we know cars are expensive, but necessary, and have to do a world of things. But we also believe they should be fun. Whatever you need and can afford, we're here to help you find the right car. We're your car friends, your car therapist, and sometimes the bad influence you need. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. Hello, everybody. Happy Friday. We are coming in hot. There are new car reveals. There are good car debates. There are lots of good questions. There's a lot going on. We were at something we never go to this week. We were at an actual car reveal. It was a reveal. It was not not a driving event. I was told by one of the volunteers at the Salt Lake City Toyota Heritage Land Cruiser Museum yes, yes. that the owner, Greg Miller, had asked Toyota you know, a few years ago, where okay. where is the the actual museum? He was on a trip in Japan, and mm. and Toyota kind of told him, "You mean the Land Cruisers out in the lobby? Is that what you mean?" And he said, <laughs> "No, where's the the museum dedicated to this this oh. truck, the best truck ever built? Uh-huh. Where uh-huh. where do you keep this museum on planet Earth?" And they said, "Well, there isn't one." And so he decided to make one, and he did, and he has all of them. From 1958 yes. till now, he has yes. all multiple examples, special. He has versions that look like versions. they've been pulled out from underneath a fire. He has <laughs> seriously. He has versions that you can't believe they made that and it's yes. that pristine. He, he has, has one still all. covered in dust, and it's but, here in Salt Lake. This was the Land Cruiser reveal. This was not driving. Yes, it's on our test drive channel. It's on a lot of other places too. But we'd love for you to watch it on our test drive channel. So a couple things you need to know about this: we don't go to reveals because we want to drive the vehicles. Hand us the keys and back Mm -hmm. away. But at the same time, we do go to press launches when we're invited now and then for cars we think are important. We will go to press launches because if we get to drive the vehicle, that's interesting. We like Toyota and they like us. We're good friends with with the Toyota PR folks and they throw a nice event. So we went down. We'd never seen the Land Cruiser Museum because Paul and I, candidly have never had a reason to go, you know, let's go to the Land Cruiser Heritage Museum. <laughs> Look, so we got to see that as well. It. Yes, we've heard for it's sure. awesome. I didn't realize it was that awesome. If you're ever in Salt Lake, it's, you should go. If you have an interest, it's really, if really you, good. If you have interest, you should look it up and go for sure. But, I, but this was the thing I took away from it, though. And I said this to you, and I'm going to say it publicly now. I love cars. I, I, lo- I, lo- I love cars. I know what you're going to say. I'm, yikes. If okay. money were no object, there literally is not a car on the planet I would make a museum to. Wow. I don't get it. I don't get it. As much of a car freak as I am, here is a man with, the money is irrelevant at this point, and he just bought all of them for yeah. them to sit there. In ca- and here's the other thing about it. In case people want to come look. But people do. Yes. And people appreciate it. I guess. But there, there literally is not a car made. I would, I, If I had all the money in the world, I'd be like, I need to make a museum to that. There isn't an end to that sentence. <laughs> I don't care. I, I, I want to go drive stuff, sure. I'd yeah. like to own lots of kinds of things, but like a mark, I'm going to make a museum to... Th- no, no, I'm not. Just not going to do it. Not going to happen. But we okay. went to this reveal. It is the smaller, lighter, more rugged thinking of the Land Cruiser, which got very expensive and very luxurious and very large, and they've pulled it back, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting. It's gone the right direction as far as price mm-hmm. and being lighter weight mm-hmm. and smaller in size. Yep. It's gone the good direction, and like Todd said, that video is now playing. Nobody got to drive the vehicle. Mm-mm. They were very much pre-production. The production vehicles will be available probably about a year from now, yeah. maybe slightly earlier, but they're right going to be the built in Japan. You forgot they existed. Well, yes. <laughs> they will be on your lots. <laughs> <laughs> well, they'll come back. And and I actually do think the TRD Pro version of a Land Cruiser will probably be pretty awesome. That's going to be more expensive.
expensive, yeah. but still they're claiming mid fifty thousands to start, but you know, you can gussy them up, but that's not the point. I like that. They're going not so crazy. You know, what would be a great competitor if that thinking were applied would be the Mercedes G wagon go. Oh, okay. Same size. That. Sure. A strip down a, a G wagon mm. T like a Carrera T oh, or no. a Cayman T. You're mixing it's up all G- of your brands. You like, <laughs> but you get it. I you do understand. Get it. I do understand. The yes. G wagon T it's the, the lighter weight. It's more the focused. You can just, hose the interior Just like out. sport means less content in Range Rover. The GT of the G wagon does not mean the one for the track. <laughs> no. It means the bare bones one. We These put a four-cylinder back in it. Exactly. The wheels are 18s yes. again. Four-cylinder diesel with you a know manual it. transmission. Yes, it's all a of the above. Car. Uh-huh. It's the NATO spec. The doors seal so well in a G-Wagon, it's like a dishwasher cycle. You just run the cycle <laughs> and it cleans the interior out for you and drains out holes beneath. You stick a hose in the sunroof and you close the doors, you just, you pull just the hook drain it up. holes. It's like an RV hookup on the outside <laughs> and it just does the dishwasher cycle with I the like rinse. It. I like it. You just throw in the, the dishwasher pack and uh, let it clean itself. Like I said, we are coming in hot, folks. Happy <laughs> Friday. We've got other cars to talk about. Uh, here's a reveal we were invited to and didn't go. Staying with the theme, in Los Angeles, they had a reveal of the Nissan Z Nismo. And we got this invitation. We got very excited about the Nismo until we realized it was, please come out to L.A. and stand in a warehouse while we pull the sheet off the car. And we don't go to those well, unless they're 20 minutes away. That was, you know, come out on your own dime. And yes, we, it was. We have to really watch our travel budget. If we totally. can't produce content and come away with a budget mm-hmm. or with, with content, it's tough to justify the travel expenditure for that. You guys understand that. But, yes, this has gone the wrong direction, unfortunately. <laughs> well, the Land Cruiser went yeah. the right direction. Direction. Okay. This went to automatic only. It's a nine-speed automatic mm-hmm. transmission. Apparently, it's got revised software to make for quicker shifting, 50% quicker downshifts, which is fine. And we mm-hmm. do love mm-hmm. automatics that feel like dual clutches. There sure, are some good sure. ones out there. I expect this to be among the best if you're putting mm-hmm. the automatic in your track car. Of course, PDK and dual clutches belong in track cars. Yeah, They're yeah, absolutely yeah. suited for that. So if this is on that level, I applaud that. But the problem is... It's 100 pounds heavier than the Z Performance with the automatic. It's 3,700 pounds In a now. track car? I mean, more power, yeah. 3,700 pounds. 420 Which horsepower, again, 384 pound-feet of torque, so it's got a little bit more power and torque. This is the other car we should have put. in weight. It didn't exist yet, but this is the car we should have put with the Camaro and the M2 because it weighs the same as those do, which is <sighs> way too heavy. And I, I, I understand... Track cars, you think... Lightweight. This is what the electric world has done for us is we're we're we've gotten to a place where we expect so much power that we've gotten used to enough power to overcome whatever the weight is and the weights become irrelevant. But if you get in something light, I know I drive a lotus and I'm ruined. And you realize, you know, weight matters. A thirty seven hundred pound fun driving car is fundamentally Mm. too heavy. This will still be for track use for sure. Well, but just general fun driving. You're you're already pushing the boundaries of this is too heavy for for that to be as enjoyable as it could be. Or let me put it another way. If it was 500 pounds lighter, I bet you'd enjoy it more. Oh, absolutely would. But then BMW has proved with the M2, if you haven't watched that piece yet, with 3,800 pounds, close to 3,900 pounds, we're looking at each other trying to figure out yes. how they did that. Yes, it, it, it does feel great for that. How in spite did they of the make this feel so good? Way, way too heavy. But I will say this. You know what the Nismo does, though? I think it finally... Or maybe I'm just getting used to it, but I think it finally almost fixes the front end of the new Z car. Yes, that front end it's should got be on an every extended Z car. nose, yes. and it actually looks pretty cool. 
Yes, except there's some angles that still are not the money shot because of the weird body kit and there, the rockers that are make for a weird wheel arch cutout. This is not the Z car styling I admit I love or was hoping for, but I always felt like the nose was unfinished. And this one feels like, oh, oh, so the last one didn't make it to market, but this nose is the one that works. Make it lighter. I hope it drives well on I, track, yeah. and I look forward to yeah. driving it. I Agreed. look forward to driving I'm it very on a fun canyon it. road yes, for, sure. for sure. It's it's the wrong direction. Now we have to talk about the car that you have been itching to talk about. This car makes me hurt. Does it? I ache. Makes me hurt for the opposite reasons. But for but let's car. let's let's dive in. Let's dive in. The Porsche 911 ST has mm-hmm. been revealed. The 60th anniversary car. It's really a GT3 RS Touring, essentially. Yep, yep. It's the GT3 RS engine in the GT3 Touring body. And mm-hmm. you thought that Porsche couldn't pull off another model. They have 25 variations of the 911. I went and counted. Mm. It is mm. manual transmission only. It's essentially Which is cool. a, a GT3 RS with a manual transmission. Without the giant wing and without, without the, the trick wing. arrow and the rear wheel steering. Mm-hmm. 518 horsepower from the 4 liter flat 6. 3,056 Pounds, mm-hmm. three thousand pounds, mm-hmm. three thousand pounds. About a hundred pounds lighter than any other nine eleven you can get. To, to get there, most of it's carbon. Yep, and that has pushed the price up to an entry level of two hundred ninety one thousand six hundred fifty dollars. And it's limited edition to one thousand nine hundred and sixty three. Or for those of you looking at it a different way, nineteen sixty three was the first year of the nine eleven. So nineteen sixty three units, which means it is limited edition. So that three hundred thousand dollar base price by the time you actually get it will probably be three twenty if you get it for MSRP, and it'll instantly be worth five hundred thousand. Well, the configurator is live, and and uh, what did you build yours to? Uh, close to three fifty. Not surprised. Yeah, not surprised. and that's at you know not base MSRP, but that would be mm-hmm. as built. Mm-hmm. That's special paint colors, and you can get the of course you can get the PTS colors for twenty thousand dollars extra. But for forty three thousand dollars on top of the base price, you can do a paint a true paint to sample. You can Any consult like. with your dealer. Yes, but the problem is these are already all sold. Mm-hmm. Except they're not because people will take delivery and then turn them around and, as you said, sell them mm-hmm. for five hundred thousand dollars or more, least, which is least. crazy. Mm-hmm. People throw around the terms like food, water, shelter. These are needs. They throw around the need. This is this is like number four for me. I, I'm going to take an extremely car. dissenting opinion on this car, and not only is it a dissenting opinion for you, Paul, but I also think this car points out something that I have mentioned before. Mm. And this is actually not a slight at you, Paul. This is an observation of a car industry at large, especially car journalists at large. Porsche has pulled off a magic trick. Everybody's seen behind the curtain of Ferrari. Journalists I'm talking about really like their cars, would like to be invited to drive a Ferrari, but kind of look at the company and go, what are you doing a lot of times? Didn't used to, but in the last 20 years or so, there's a lot of journalist commentary that is kind of like, Ferrari kind of feels really excited about themselves, and we don't always buy everything Ferrari's selling. Mm. From a PR department. Okay. Okay. But I feel like in mass, journalists buy whatever Porsche says as like, oh, the new fun thing has shown up and I love it more than the last fun thing. And in general, <laughs> you you look at you talk to any general car journalists and their only aspiration is to one day own a nine eleven. They That's don't, true. They, That's they true. just, this is, if I became car journalist and therefore 911 is best, may not have even driven one yet, but 911 is best and one day I will want to own a 911 and blah, blah, blah. And so there's just this, Porsche has pulled off this magic trick where all journalists decide they kind of can do no wrong. Let's talk in terms of performance and driving feel. Most of them are really, really good. They make great to drive cars. I, I look as a guy that owns two Cayennes because there's nothing else like that. They make great sure, to drive cars, sure. but but I guess my point is I never hear journalists ever going, "Yeah, really, Porsche." But I'm going to stand here and go, "Really, Porsche." 
Because in this case, I think this is a dud. A dud? I think it is that a is dud. That is severe. I think this is a cash grab on the part of Porsche. Here's why I say that. I'm going to go to the BMW 1M for a second to explain this. When the BMW 1M sure, came out, sure. it was not necessarily their most attractive car, a limited edition car that was a parts bin car. We took some stuff from here, some stuff from here. We mm-hmm. made something you can't get otherwise. Mm-hmm. And it's probably amazing. And it ended up being great. And they went up in value and they were really rare and very interesting and quirky. And oh, we've always wanted that combination. Here's my problem with the ST. We have recently driven the GT3 RS, the mm-hmm. 992 GT3 RS. We drove it in Germany. We actually were at Spa in Belgium on that track. That piece is coming next week. And and I will, again, say as the, as the lone person that doesn't stand up and wave the Porsche flag, <laughs> I will say this, full stop, the car is brilliant. The GT3 RS is brilliant. We had and it on if, both Spa and the Ring. Thanks we did. To we drove it both places and we yes. filmed it on Spa. Yeah. And if I were a person buying a car, if I had money, no object, literally money, no object, could buy anything I wanted to drive to the track and do track days, GT3 RS. Mm. I'm not even a 911 guy. GT3 RS is the only, I just put my money down there and be done. It is brilliant. I would love to drive this car eternally on track days. I need you to understand how great it is. That's a huge statement. Okay. Phenomenal car. Okay. Okay. The two things that make that car awesome are the downforce and the rear steer. This ST has neither. True. It doesn't have the downforce because it's not a track car and it doesn't have the rear steer. But you know what does? The GT3 Touring. The non-RS GT3 Touring has rear steer, which frankly the 992 needs because it's gotten too big. The 911 is now a big car. And what makes it feel small is the rear steer. This 911 ST, Mm -hmm. the GT3 uh, RS Touring, if you will, does not have rear steer or aero, which are the things that make that car great. Okay, yes, it's a manual. It's like... 12 or 16 horsepower more than the GT3 Touring, you're not going to feel that in a road-going situation. By the way, you can also get the GT3 Touring in stick stick shift. Mm -hmm. So now Mm -hmm. you have the GT3 Touring in stick shift with rear steer. And I actually went and actually specced one. I specced one to my perfect specs. Really? Because I wanted rear steer. Because that's the mm-hmm. magic yeah, that the ST is. doesn't have. Okay, okay. I got it with rear steer. I got it with, with one of their more expensive paint colors. I didn't go paint to sample, but I spent thousands of extra dollars on paint. I did the super awesome carbon seats in, an, in a contrasting color. I built it out exactly to my spec. I spent $211,000, which on one level is a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But on another level, I saved more than a hundred grand off of your ST build. And I will argue till the end of the day that besides being limited edition, I got the better car. Car. This is a cash grab by Porsche, and hmm. I am not on board. I would reserve a drive <laughs> because this is lighter. Fine, but it and doesn't have, have rear about steer. Weight. It's a big car, and it's not that much lighter. Sure. It's going to be like 100 pounds lighter. Sure. However, rear wheel steering is not the only thing that makes the 911 great. True. It's not like a limousine without it. But it is great the thing that makes that car. car great. It does. It's one of the things I would say. This is the rare moment when Paul and I are totally at loggerheads. I am not on board for this car. The entire Fair. internet is singing praises, and I'm like, GT3 Touring is the better car. I can buy one, and I'm done. We've got you to buy a GT3 Touring. <laughs> Fine. I look at Porsche because they're still, this is not, but they're still fairly aspirational mm-hmm. for most people. Mm-hmm. Ferraris and McLarens and all those other things, you have to be in a different income bracket to be able to afford those. And I feel like anything at the hypercar level and up, those are only cash grabs. The only reason those cars exist is to take money 
out of people's wallets. Mm. Why does a Veyron exist? I hear why you. Why does a Chiron, why was that car built? To I hear do you. what? Yes. And most owners are scared to put miles on them mm -hmm. and drive it around yeah. because of all the attention and yeah. then don't touch my car, don't look at my car, it's going to be scratched it's stats or whatever. and bragging rights and sit in my collection. So mm -hmm. you're not having fun with it. Mm -hmm. Why do you even, why do you spend three million on that thing? Mm -hmm. You could buy a GR Corolla and cackle and like, oops, I dinged a wheel. <laughs> I'm going to buy up all the wheels. <laughs> Let's just can. replace the yeah. wheel and yeah. we're fine. Yeah, yeah. So this is up there for sure. Cash grab. Yes, but I would reserve this for a drive. You understand we've created yeah. a, a comparison with GT3 the, Touring versus the ST. I fully believe that the GT3 Touring is the better buy. And this is just its limited edition and everybody is losing their minds and it's not worth it. Anytime there's a limited edition, anything that just makes people want it more. Of course. If they Absolutely. said, we'll build these to the end of time, people would be like, okay, I'll just wait till I can afford one at some point. What was the one that they sold for five minutes that was uh, the last version of the GT3 and the first one that came out with stick while everybody's waiting on their 918s? Oh, the R. The, the R. 911R. That was quarter million dollars and instantly was worth a million the day that they dropped it. Well, it's the it same was kind like of thing, you know. Not a million, but But you see what I'm saying? It was the same kind of deal with million. like people turned them around and instantly made money and you could only buy one if you had a nine eighteen reserved. It was like the the stop. And I can't car. understand yeah. why the R exists. I, I don't know why the Well, R because exists. for a brief moment of time it was the only way to get the GT three in a six speed. That's why it, it existed. Was Porsche's for a brief moment let's in democratize time. the manual transmission era. And then they went to yes. GT three available with six speed, but now again, uh GT three touring. I'll take one. I'll still take one. I will take one. <laughs> I'm starting a fund, actually. <laughs> no, I'm not. We want to remind you that one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle is better brakes. An upgraded brake system can transform a vehicle's performance and give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. Track, trail, or traffic, every vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. No matter what your vehicle is or your driving style, PowerStop has a complete brake upgrade kit for you. Head to PowerStop.com. Fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder, and you'll be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, truly noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. We have both experienced firsthand the upgrade quality on our own vehicles. I've got the Z36 truck and tow pads and rotors on my Ford Expedition, and it brakes more powerfully than it ever has. Join the thousands of drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today. Power Stop. Brake upgrades made easy. Fernando L. in Arkansas sends us a car debate for the first one here. Fernando loves his car, but it's beating him up. Mm. Also, his car misses Texas. <laughs> I didn't know that happened, but okay. All right. No, your car could miss All right. another Good state. To know. Well, Fernando, thank you so much for writing. Really appreciate it. You listening and watching. There is a quote from our podcast that has always stuck with Fernando. Mm. Even if he's thinking of selling his car, he's ready to sell his car. Well, that is the first hurdle. The minute you, do, I mean, you've said, you coined this, Paul, and you're so right about it. Because the minute that you say, should I get rid of this? You've made the, <laughs> Boom, like, you've made the number life. one hurdle that <laughs> makes it even go away at all. And that is just the headspace. That's yeah, the giving totally. yourself permission mm -hmm. to let it go. That mm -hmm. is the number one thing. You have to give yourself permission. And then once permission has been granted by yourself, <laughs> you're already shopping. Permission you're looking. granted. <laughs> well, Fernando loves his car, but he feels like it's beating him up and he's being forced out of it. Mm. It is an 08 Corvette base model. He says he's put around 40,000 miles on the car in the past two and a half years. It's only, his only car currently. And on paper, this car meets his every need. It's mm. a dedicated sports car platform, naturally aspirated motor, manual transmission, and at the base level, 300 horsepower, 
He loves the look, the classic wedge shape. He says this C6 was the sweet spot of all modern Corvettes in his opinion. A lot of people feel that way. It is a good looking gym. It's, I it's will a give good you one. That. Yeah. Bonus for me, he loves blue paint. His is jet stream blue. But ownership has been a roller coaster because mm. at first the car was reliable, but a year into ownership, his engine blew up and he needed a rebuild. Oh my gosh. And what I love is that what happens here is the consideration of the rabbit hole. That's what I like about this. He's like, should I? Because he said most Corvette owners would see this as a sign from the bald eagle gods. I just, I read that twice. It was like, oh, got it. With the American flag waving behind. Yes, exactly. And the America license plate. Exactly we're going to, we're going right. to, okay, you blew your engine. Here's what you need to do. And he said, that just, that wasn't me. He didn't want to mess with the daily drivability. So he thought, all right, all right, I'm going to do a few things. But the motor stock with upgraded intake, headers, exhaust, took care of major service items. But he didn't like, you know what we should do? You know what engine we should do? He didn't do yeah. any of the craziness. He wanted daily drivability, so he kept it in that regard. But it still took him almost 10,000 miles of regular driving to feel like, okay, I can trust this car again. That's he did hard. Do, yes, he did do some minor mods. He yeah. does say he upgraded the air intake yeah. and did headers, the headers exhaust, and yep. exhaust and all the major service. But he regretted the mods right up until he did a couple of tunnel passes. And he <laughs> says that was all fixed. We're yeah, good. Okay. I like this sound now. It's good. Well, life went on. He says he was given a job opportunity he could not turn down, which ended up taking him from Houston, Texas to Bentonville, Arkansas. Hmm. And his car misses the big Texas highways. Yep. 99% of his driving, the highest speed limit he will see is 45 miles an hour. Okay. He writes, there's hills and dips everywhere. And if it rains hard, he risks getting stuck in the road until the rain passes because those roads flood. Wow. His commute is four miles long and he doesn't even warm the car up by the time he gets to work. Mm. Okay. And the roads are six out of 10, he says. Even with Magna Ride, he can't say it helps all that much. It's hard to enjoy the car because it can be so underwhelming when he can barely wind out the gears in town, which mm. you don't really want to do anyway, but yeah. you know, you're but not he, in Houston and you can't wind it out. The only big plus from living in a small town is the attention the car gets. People love this car. He gets waves and people asking him to rev and people chatting him up about the car at the, at the gas pump. That's cool. He says that didn't happen to him in Houston. So he's just physically tired. When it comes to the car, he's beat up and driving the car feels like an ordeal. Mm, he li yuck. loves it. And as he writes, he checks all of his boxes. He loves it. It feeds the disease, but he can't help wanting something a bit more comfortable. He is lost. He writes, he is looking to us for help. What he thinks his requirements are is coupes. He says okay. coupes are welcome, but he actually slightly prefers sedans or hatchbacks or wagons because he misses driving people around. Mm. Over 300 horsepower, manual preferred, or a very good automatic, preferably less than 10 years old, and something with good steering feel. He's always had hydraulic steering, hates a numb electric rack. Mm. That's many cars on the market today. That's most cars now. That's a bit problematic. Yep. His maximum budget is $50,000. He's 30 years old, five foot six, single, no kids, but no access to a garage anymore. And he's owned a Subaru Impreza, a Volkswagen CC. I totally forgot about those, Fernando, until you wrote. <laughs> like, yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, oh, you had a 987 Boxster S and this Corvette C6. So on his list, he's got this list of cars that he's looking at. Uh, looks like Cadillac ATS-V sedan and manual, uh, BMW M, anything mm -hmm. from M, uh, the E53 uh, AMG C63 Mercedes, CTSV, Chevy SSs, Supra. I like the Supra that's on your list there. 911s, of course, Jaguar F-Type. But he says, my no-no list. Not <laughs> Things he will not this. consider at all. There is a list. 
Chargers, Challengers, Mustangs, Camaros, the Julia from hmm. Alpha. Interesting. Okay. His brother owns a Julia. He says finding a mechanic here in Bentonville would be tough. No Golf R's and no Impreza STIs. Hmm. I have uh, three choices okay, and then good. a wild card and then a crazy unexpected wild card for you. Fernando? I bumped into wild cards too on this, but I actually thought we, I, I wanted to run through his list real quick. Okay. The ATS-V, the mm-hmm. ATV sedan, sedan is how you list it, but that's the Cadillac ATS, the V sedan in manual. That is a great chassis. That is a great handling car. That is love it or hate it styling. I guess because it's on your list, you like it. I think that is interesting. I think uh, that's a solid choice. However, over at BMW M Vehicles, you have the E90 V8. You won't have to spend even uh, ha- a little over half your budget to get the nicest one on the planet. And that's a fantastic car. The E90 M3, that. it's such a good car. Really Still has hydraulic car. steering at that point, which is nice. Really good, good six-speed. Our friend Mike locally has one, and he squared up the stance, and we had it in our Icon BMW M3 movie, and that was one of our very favorites. So E90 M3 is way up there. The C63, but the E53 variant of the of that AMG, I just don't think that's as special as that E90 BMW. I still think it rises to the top. The CTS-V... Um, very cool. The problem I'm concerned with the CTS or ATS-V is your interior interaction. I think you'll probably bump it into the Q system, which is not good. You may find yourself frustrated with those otherwise, which leads me to the Chevy SS, which is awesome. It's just really good. It, I mean, it's the four-door Corvette. I've joked about it before because Chevy joked about it, and I drove it and went, yeah, kind of. I love the Supra. You mentioned earlier you like that the Supra's on the list. I love the Supra. I think it will have the same problems as the VET, though. It does. It, it's, it's a smaller version yeah. interior-wise of your car. Your your Corvette has a bigger interior. So if you want to take people, the, the Supra is not for you, even though I love that Supra. I love it. It's more and it, nimble. It's mm-hmm. great. And it doesn't have so hydraulic great. steering, which is an issue. The 911 is obviously very cool. You're going to need to go 997 or older for hydraulic steering. I love the 997s. It's not going to get warmed up either, but it's a, it's a very solid choice here. I think you'd thoroughly enjoy it. The F-Type, I think the F-Type has electronic power steering, doesn't it? If I'm not mistaken, I feel like I it so. does. I mean, it's, it's hard tough to, to get find away in manual. It's, it's hard. you got to go back. That's days. the thing. How new do you need this car to be, Fernando? Because that's the issue, is that if you want hydraulic steering, you're going backwards with the possible exception of the upcoming Amira. Everything else is pretty much electronic. Some of these, you can skirt it. I'm pretty sure the Chevy SS is hydraulic. The E90 M3 is. The 911, if you go back, is. So some of them are, but that's one of the issues there for sure. So bring that up. I have a an issue with uh, hydraulic steering, like you do with 911s, and I, journalists with I know hydraulic where steering. I know where you're going. Yes, there are really good electric power steering racks that have a lot of feel and a lot of precision. And journalists, to the person, if it's not hydraulic, I'm I've stopped watching. I've stopped reading. I I don't care. That car doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. And it actually is good. And no, you're wrong. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll tell you one personally. I, I've kind of had it with, <laughs> if it's not hydraulic steering, I'm not even considering it kind of thing. For a brief time, we had in our fleet at regular access, I had access to my Lotus Elise, which is obviously more steering feel than any other car on the planet because it's the Lotus Elise and it has no assist at all. Mm-hmm. We had the GR86, mm-hmm. brand new. 2,800 pounds electronic power steering, and I had my 300ZX, mid-3,000 pounds hydraulic with rear steer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, The worst of the three was the 300ZX. 
I'm talking steering but it's field. Thirty years old, but I'm too. talking steering field. You're, we're talking peak Nissan from yeah, the '90s yeah. in hydraulic steering on what I would argue is possibly their best car ever. And the hydraulic steering, I'm talking, I'm not talking enjoyment, I'm not talking handling capability, I'm talking feel through the steering wheel mm-hmm, mm-hmm. was fine. Yeah. It was it was fine. But the GR86, a good amount of information from the car at large and from the steering wheel as well. It's and it's excellent. electronic power, power yes. steering. I thought it was fascinating to be in the 300ZX, to your point, and be like, ah, 90s hydraulic steering, like pinnacle of hydraulic steering. Be and to be like, ah, it's all right. Right. It's okay. Exactly. And Fernando, I'm not aiming my, my direction at you. But you're right. It's, it's, it's been it's, it's journalists. Been, yeah. and, well, it's manual. And, it's been lionized. And, well, it's not manual, so I, I won't even consider it. Okay, so every Ferrari, every McLaren, yeah. no Lamborghinis for you, and everything above that is completely yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. So, fair. well, the Nismo Z, that's out too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, everybody forgets the Honda S2000 was EPS. Yep. Yep. And it's a so was, pinnacle I'm car. pretty sure so was the second half, the update of the first gen NSX, I'm pretty sure was electro- electronic as well. The first half was, yes. was no power steering, I believe, and the second half was an EPS. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, uh, 2000s, the early 2000s, yeah. somewhere in there. Yeah. Speaking of Honda, one of the most surprising steering feel is in the brand new Civic Type R. It's also front wheel drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's got good. You it's, will be it's good. boggled it's how good it is. In, it's a Civic. It's a gussied up Civic. It's a hot rodded mm, Civic. Mm-hmm. How can this? And it's front wheel drive. No way. Mm, yeah, way. Mm. <laughs> yeah, way. It's One of my really favorite good. arguments ever. That and uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Kick dirt on your shoe. Fernando, I have the BMW M2 competition on my list for you. I love your E90 four door, but 10 years old is your yeah. your marker there. So I thought about the M2 competition for you. You can choose the, the dual clutch or the manual there. Mm-hmm. Of course, mm-hmm. Mercedes has to be on the list. If you're looking at sedans, little hot rotted snorty things, the competitor to the M2, the CLA 45 AMG. Love that thing. That's cool. Honda Civic Type R made a consideration. I've been chatting about it here. But the wild card, you knew I was going to spend your money, mm. is an Audi RS3. That's a good wild card. How about an RS3? That's a mm, 50 grand. It's gonna, he's going to have to shop careful, but that's a good wild card. I hadn't thought about that. All I mean, right. Fernando, all right. I actually yeah, went yeah. shopping there like 70K with no, 14,000 miles on yeah. them. Mm-hmm. And there's no Audi dealer in Bentonville, but there is in Springville, so fairly close. <laughs> I looked. So RS3, that is unique. It's very cool. And the best part about it is that five-cylinder engine. Talk about unique. Nobody has it. No, it is not a, a, it doesn't feel like a Golf R. It really doesn't. It has its unique personality. But my crazy unexpected wildcard for you is a 2021 and newer Acura TLX Type S. Because when I saw you were five foot six, most of our griping when Todd and I drove that car was because we're big and we're, tall. We're trees. Yeah, that's the problem. We're both mm-hmm. six foot three. Mm-hmm. And you said you're five foot six and you want to take people around. So why not a TLX Type S? That's very good. Super handling all-wheel drive is the real deal. Mm-hmm. It was surprisingly mm-hmm. good. Yeah, it's very good. There's an Acura dealer in Fayetteville. The two best colors are Tiger Eye Pearl or Apex Blue Pearl, and these are 50K. Mm. It's a you, bigger that's a car. a really good one. It's a bigger car than you're used to, mm-hmm. but it's stylish. It's unique. It's interesting. It's got lots of power. I think you would fit just fine. You mm-hmm. can take passengers. For sure. And yeah, it's going to be comfortable all of a sudden. You'll still have a lot of power. If you want to go back to a Corvette at any time, of course, they've got zillions of C6s. 
You can absolutely go back to some build or a, a more mm -hmm. of a focused track car. You could go smaller. You could consider a GR86 in the future. You could go Miata. You could do something that, you know, if you do want to go back to like a hardcore thing and add that onto your fleet, but then you've got your Acura TLX. Mm. But I recommend the Type S. That's Agreed. where the business Agreed. is. That's, and that's a really, re that car's great to drive. It's really surprisingly great. It looks yeah. great. It's nice to be in. It has good seat. Literally, the only gripe, and we beat on it possibly too much, but the only gripe was the fact of why don't I fit better in a four-door? Yes. Why can no one ever sit behind yes. me? But we're, I, but I'm Sasquatch, so that's the problem. But yeah. Fernando yes. will. Hey, he'll, he'll be great. Which, that's and a great like said, point. Bigger really car, but I don't think you'll mind, mm -hmm. and it feels more nimble than the size and weight would suggest. I, I agree with that. That's a really, really strong choice. I, Fernando, I don't know that I do better than that, but I just had some musings for you because the big thing I took here is that uh, you've got a four-mile commute. You got a four-mile. Can commute. you go like a long way around to make it like ten miles? And, and I'm warm also up the cats? I, I did. I, I brought up I brought up Google Maps and I dug around a bit. And there's actually some really cool roads not that far from Bentonville. Kind of in every direction, there's some cool roads. I'm I looking, saw squiggles. Yeah, yeah, a little bit at Highway 12 going down toward War Eagle. I mean, I'm just uh, sorry, I'm talking to people, but anyway. Uh, the, so if you, if you know the area, there it is. So I mean, that looks pretty cool. But there's a lot of other stuff, a lot of squiggles around there that are dirt. So don't necessarily do that, okay. but a lot All of right. good ones too. All right. So I think you've got some good roads. I think you need to dedicate yourself to go on fun drives on days you can because you've got a four mile commute which brings me back to electric car you got a four mile commute yeah it's stop and go traffic I, I i'm confused i mean part of me says you could throw out most of your requirements and still meet your needs by getting yourself a model three just get an inexpensive one with high miles because who get, cares? Get a Model 3. They, yeah. they work great. Everything you need to do, it's going to do. Yeah. It's got plenty of power. It's, it's going to do all the stuff you need because what you don't tell me here, and I'm a little surprised by it, is you don't tell me that you go on just fun drives. Just the, the Corvette is your daily. You don't have a garage space. You drive it. You park it. That's all it does. And I'm sitting here going, you really need an electric car. But then mm. I had the alternative thought because mm. you've got 50 grand to spend. You get a Model 3 all day long for 50 grand. You get one that's a couple years old easily. And that would certainly work. You're not going to have, I don't, I mean, you're parking outside. I don't know what your charge situation is, but you don't suggest that you're in an apartment. I don't know the situation, but you can probably figure out how to get that Model 3 charged and make it work for your life. But then I had an alternative idea. You got 50 grand and you actually really like the Corvette. I think the biggest problem with the Vet is the fact that you aren't driving it in places that you're enjoying it. Mm, sure. You're not even warming yeah. it up going to work. But you could keep the Vet and spend less than 20 and get a BMW i3. Oh, that's got a 90-mile range. He's going four <laughs> miles for commute. It's true. Yeah. Just that's... drive your I-3 around and now find road trips to take your vet on. Hmm. That's interesting. And and the I-3, look, it, it's it's a on one level, it's an electric car, and it's not what you're looking for, but it does everything you need, and it's still rear-wheel drive, and it's interesting and quirky. I need to buy one because I keep coming back to them. But anyway, BMW i3, have that as your daily... I think you're still going to get into conversations driving that around. And then yeah. you've got your vet that you're going to take on actual fun drives around the southeast. Go go dig up some of these roads and find some fun. Yeah, I mean, you got to take the restrictor plates off off the beast. you got to get, get her out and put some miles on her. <laughs> When's the last time we said the words restrictor plates on this know. podcast? That's impressive. I like I it. That's really good. obligated yep. to work it in there. I love you know, that. That's good. Give her some leash so she can run free. and. <laughs> 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 Restrictor plates. Give her the reins. Today on the podcast. <laughs> Got it. It's going fast here. Chuck P writes to us. We don't know where you're at, Chuck. 
And there's a few other details that I would love to know, like the cars that you drive and you mentioned Mm -hmm. towing some other cars, but we'll get right to your debate because his wife is currently driving a leased 21 BMW X5. She really likes it. Problem is she took a new job and her driving has changed dramatically. They lease this X5 based on 12,000 miles annually. Uh Uh-oh. But now she's driving eighteen to 20,000 miles a year. I'm not good at math, but that's quite a bit more. I think you blew that, out your that, lease. That's quite a, quite a bit more. <laughs> they have six months left on the lease. They're already 7,000 miles over the lease mileage. And with that amount of mileage going on the car, you're going to blow that out. One thing you don't say here, Chuck, that I really wish you'd said is, what's the penalty going to be? Ooh. We don't know. I mean, there's a lot of other information, but we don't know what the penalty is going to be because I'm telling you right now, Chuck, unless you buy it out, there's a penalty. It probably Mm. involves watching a Stallone movie. Possibly, and it's definitely going to have a comma in it. Anyway, Yeah. yeah. Well, he's trying to decide what's the best option, buy her car out, buy a new car, or lease a car and add a used vehicle. Hmm. There's caveats. The total monthly payment needs to be 1000 bucks or less. Okay. She would prefer closer to 800 bucks. One vehicle has to have a hitch to tow jet skis and use a bike rack. It also has to be big enough to put a road bike assembled, fully assembled, because she takes her bike with her daily. Okay. And maybe sometimes they're two 90-pound dogs, but not at the same time. Not so we do the bike or road, dogs. Right. Not bike and dogs. Right, that yeah. would be... Uh, That'd be that, that's the bridge too far right there. Yeah. <laughs> Barman Bailey's in town. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I hear circus music? <laughs> they also like something with adaptive cruise control. That's not too hard. She says she's open to EVs to save gas. Mm-hmm. She likes the Hyundai Ioniq 5, though she says the i435 and iX are on the table too. Apparently there's pretty good leasing on both of those. That's because they're so ugly. But the BMW will get them out of the X5 now without having to pay for any excess mileage. So there is an out right there. If BMW keeps you, you don't have to pay the Uh penalty for going over. I see it. You you trade it in for That's good thinking on the part of BMW for sure. I've seen an iX. They are not pretty. Yeah, there's a couple of banging around uh, here. Not good. Yeah. And the i4. We had the M50 flavor, the i4, and that thing is a rocket It's a rocket ship. I totally agree. Intergalactic space like, mode. Like bring bring what you'd like me to race. <laughs> yes. Because you will not understand All why the Tesla's, I'm gone. All yeah, it was crazy, yeah. Well, she's not a performance driver, uh, but she does like silent power to some extent. So do they wait and buy out the X5 at least in six months, at least end for about $42,000 and drive it till the wheels fall off? You never want to drive any BMW till the wheels fall off because the wheels of your bank account will fall off. Yes, there, there will be a, a crisis so at don't some point. Don't do that. Yes. Uh-huh. Or, and you know, then at that point, look at a two to four year old Cayenne. He says an I-4 or Ionic 5 could be good commuters, but then they need to look for a reliable used truck or SUV in the ten to $15,000 price range to put miles on. Okay. But she asked if she could install a bike rack on a Z4. So to talk about a curveball, what? earlier in the email, it's like we have to have enough room to put a road bike in because your wife needs her road bike inside the vehicle with her every day. And then in the last mm-hmm. paragraph, she did just ask if she could put a bike rack on a Z4. And I've been thinking the entire email, they make bike racks. They make really nice hitch racks. Why does it have to go inside the vehicle? Doesn't that restrict us? And all of a sudden, your wife's like, couldn't we just mount this on a sports car? Yes. Love it. Love and it. You can get the the smaller hitches installed mm-hmm. uh, to, to get it on a sports car. We've Absolutely. We've got a, a good friend here in town who installed one on his M2 competition. Yep. yep. He takes his bike behind mm-hmm. the M2 competition. Yes, he does. It's been bumped up, too. He's got a lot more horsepower in it now, too. Yeah, that's got a, a dining tune on it now, doesn't it? Yeah. It's yeah the, and still the bike swinging and, in the breeze. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. flapping both, in the breeze both, back both, there. Both are true. Well, he is at a, a bit of a loss with options. He could use some guidance. 
because of this request. But if she has to drive a larger SUV, she'd like to be able to tow his cars too. Five to 6,000 pounds towing capacity. We don't know what those cars are and we don't know how far yeah. and where you're towing them. Are those yeah. race cars? Are those I... like your, your Messerschmitt collection? He... Or what, what is that? <laughs> you tow your cars. What does that mean, Chuck? Messerschmitt collection. There are so many sentences See, that have happened that we've never, ever heard. It's See, the museum no. to the Messerschmitt. Still no museums. Uh-uh. Not happening. I have toyed with a Chevy Bolt EV or EUV because you mentioned EVs. But then I thought, why not hybrids? And the Prius jumped to mind. I think for the first time ever, I've recommended the sixth generation Prius for about $36,000. It's a hybrid. Mm. Great gas mileage. Really cool looking and then you could just add, yeah, some knock around truck to tow your Messerschmitt collection. That's <laughs> coming back. I don't know why it's Messerschmitt. That, that's they're so the weirdest, awesome, by the way. It's, a, like, it's also bubble a fantastic cars. word. Yes, <laughs> I don't anyway. know why. I don't know why it's that. But I did settle on, actually, the Kia Nero Hybrid. We've got a mm. test drive video not quite released yet, but we spent time with that. And that impressed. 53, 54 on the highway mm -hmm. for that hybrid. And good price. It, it's clearly trying to compete with the Prius and good space in the back. Yeah, you can yeah, put yeah. a hitch on that thing. What a great commuter. It's just easy. And, you know, the style is not, uh, it's not BMW style, but it's not BMW style. Yeah. <laughs> know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, fair. Uh-huh. Doesn't have the cachet of BMW, but also doesn't have the styling pitfalls of right. the current lineup. Yes. For towing vehicles, I toyed with the Ridgeline, 5,000 pounds towing capacity. Mm. Looked at the Santa Cruz, also 5,000 pounds towing capacity. But then, of course, I'm spending more of your money. I do like your Cayenne idea because mm -hmm. if you're not using it, if you're only using it to tow your toy car collection, mm -hmm. then sure, get a, well, a higher mileage used Cayenne. And it, mm -hmm. maybe it sits most of the time. But then, like I said, Chuck, I wish I knew what car you had because maybe we'd sell that to get something else. And <laughs> I wish I knew, but okay. you know, there, there are definitely options. And, uh, at this point, I'd love it if you got out of the BMW ecosystem because the leasing, especially you're into some serious mileage now and you need to just own your cars outright mm -hmm. for the mileage. You shouldn't be leasing. I mean, yeah, there's high mileage leasing, but you're paying to not own the car and for 42 K and now you're getting a high mileage X five and I just, I think you do better with gas mileage. You do mention the X550 in here and you said that'd be the vehicle they'd go for, but any X5 lease right now is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're paying too mm -hmm. much money and you're paying for that badge. Mm. Why not something like the Kia Nero? It's cool and interesting and surprisingly fun to drive and it just gets great gas mileage. Something like that and that leaves you some options for one of these trucks and uh, that, that could be the better way to go. Interesting. Okay, so we're we're battling around lots of stuff here, Chuck. We got a few unknowns as we talked about, but first off, I obviously have to wave the flag. Yes, the Cayenne would work. The Cayenne, like the X5, both of those have a lot of power, good towing capacity, and are surprisingly good at being a luxury vehicle and a performance vehicle and something you can tow and haul and play SUV with. So X5 or Cayenne, it's really kind of a wash. You guys like the X5s. I actually think if you, and I don't know what the penalty is going to be, but if you get out of this lease... I think you would like the Cayenne, and it, you'd probably get yourself a decent deal on a used one and surprise yourself with that. But you've liked that X5. Uh, the, of course, BMW is going to absorb the overages and the penalties if to you keep you in the ecosystem. Yeah. If of you course, stay in they the family, are. But here's, here's the thing. Take it. I'll take the hit. You could get an IX. It'll tow 5,000 pounds, which is an exception to what I'm about to say, and that is I don't think an electric vehicle is right for you guys. 
because most electric vehicles, the Ionic 5 is a great example, most electric vehicles don't tow that much. They've got a lot of torque, but they don't actually tow that much. The Ionic 5 only tows 2,300 pounds. And that's going to be You're not towing cars with out. that. You yeah. do want to tow jet skis, but you're talking about cars. So what that hap- what happens now is if you buy an EV, you're probably, besides the fact you said you might need it for mileage anyway, you're going to buy something else just to handle the towing duties. So now you've doubled up on SUV-style driving. So let's not do that because you remember when that moment when your wife said, could I put a bike rack on a Z4? Yes, you can. Does she want a Z4? Sounds like she does. She likes BMWs. Does she want a Boxster? Boxer is going to be harder because it's got a central exhaust, but a Z4 with a bike rack, yes, please, go the generation just prior to the current one, which actually is a forgotten hardtop convertible version of the Z4. Nobody bought those, and they're very cheap. Check them out on AutoTrader. I think what you do is you pay the penalty to get out of that X5. You get your wife a BMW Z4. She likes BMW. Now she gets something fun. It's going to get a lot better gas mileage. She's putting a lot of more miles on. She can put a tow hitch and a bike rack. Problem solved. She has a Z4. And then you spend, let's say you spend twenty twenty five on your wife to get her a nice Z4 or used one. Then you spend $20,000 on a used Cayenne. You get a different experience, but you have your luxury tow vehicle that didn't break the bank. I think you get both of those and right. you have a nice day. <laughs> Chuck, you've got some driving to do. You've got some decisions to make. Write to us with your own debate. And that is everydaydrivertv at gmail.com for all your Topic Tuesdays, your car conclusions, and your car debates. You guys are great with questions, but many of your questions aligned with the pictures of the new Land Cruiser because one of the big things about it is it's smaller And the other big thing about it is the V8 is gone, replaced by half the engine. A 2.4 liter turbo hybrid is coming only in the new Land Cruiser. There's not another engine at this point being offered. So I'm going to start here with Chaspot on Instagram says, with the old naturally aspirated V8 gone, do we think Toyota has engineered this turbo four-cylinder hybrid to last 25 years like the previous Land Cruisers? Uh, I could argue about the whole 25-year Land Cruiser thing separately, but I'll go here. This is going to be the big debate. A turbo hybrid is most likely not going to be as robust as a V8 naturally aspirated anything. Forget Toyota for a second. Just big, naturally aspirated breathing machine that is an old school V8 is probably going to run better. breathing machine. Yes, longer than the four-cylinder hybrid. But of course, this is for gas mileage. It's for other regulations, and it's the way everything is going. So of course, they've done that. Uh, Kevin even added on Twitter, Any concerns about the longevity of this powertrain? We just don't know, but this is the major talking point for all of Toyota's trucks. They've had that workhorse V6 in the Tacoma and that that level of trucks. They've had the workhorse V8 in the Tundra and those workhorse trucks, and both of those are gone. Mm Mm-hmm. Jorge M. on Instagram asks what we appreciate about sampling different car locations. He's been traveling a lot, and it really makes him appreciate different car cultures, totally apart from enthusiast roads and beautiful scenery. Case in point, the simple pleasures of a system based mostly on roundabouts. They're the best, aren't they? They are the best, Mm -hmm. especially with the ones with the stop sign right there. (laughs) Right before you enter. Here's the thing. I've seen them. Yes. Well, when my wife and I went to Cabo, all the roundabouts had stop signs on entry. And I was like, you've killed the entire thing that makes a roundabout great. (laughs) And the other thing was, there was, sorry, there was a woman that came here a few years ago. And and my wife overheard her comment frustrated because she just moved here. And she didn't understand why nobody was stopping to let her into the roundabout. What? (laughs) And there's that moment where the... 
area kind of collectively catches their breath and goes, who gets to tell her? <laughs> you know, that's not what we do here. That's not how roundabouts work. No, you're right, Jorge. I, I think there's there's a lot to be appreciated. And I see a lot more roundabouts being installed in the U.S. Uh, it still confuses most drivers. Clearly, it, yes. It's Some people can figure it out. But when I enter a roundabout more quickly than most people mm. on the inside, because mm. I'm going to take them. Mm-hmm. I, you know, the red mist rises, <laughs> sport mode has already been activated uh-huh, uh-huh. and it almost seems like I'm cutting off the other person. But if I'm going the same speed and I enter, I don't know, 10, 20 feet before them, a car length or so mm-hmm. I'm moving in what, you know, I'm doing what a roundabout should do and I still get honked at. It's happened to me too, where you get honked at for entering the roundabout and I'm like, you're nowhere close to me. I there is no and chance you're in, even going to find my bumper. There's no chance. At, at your exact speed. I'm looking over. I'm yeah. matching the speed. And uh-huh. then I enter and we're all good. There's This you, is how they work. You're not going to speed up because you're already going through the curve. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I I love the scenery that we do on road trips, Jorge. It's a lot of great stuff. And that that's really what attracts us. But when you do find that unexpected thing, yeah, that does make it all worth it. He's got a second question here asking us to define retro versus an homage. Mm. It's just form over function or form versus function. Mm. Retro is the entire car was conceived and everything about it is trying to do what the old generation did. Okay. But you can see compromises have been made. It's along the lines of artistic interpretation of a film. Okay. It's based upon, we've had this discussion mm-hmm. before. And when there's an homage to it, but choices are made to integrate modernity and new uh, technology in lighting or uh, in manufacturing or something like that. So, you know what? We had to change that because this is actually better for manufacturing, right? This actually worked better for the overall design and proportions because of the chassis that it's on. Okay, it's it's gotten close. So we, we have a few little things that kind of pay that homage to it. It's not just a blatant thing. Mm. The mm. retro styling phase was of course the late nineties and early two thousands from Chrysler Ford and GM when we just couldn't get <laughs> enough of it. <laughs> what if it looked uh, kind of like the old one? What if we did that? Well, yes. And it's also the proportions when designers like to sketch cars that never were from mm. an era. Oh, sure. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, Here's yeah, cars yeah. from the seventies mm-hmm. that never existed, but that's yeah. totally a 70s. But it looks like something out that's of the like, 70s. Wow, yeah. that's AMC Gremlin right there. But, Wish they would have made that. Yeah. But okay. it's not quite. Mm. That's the thinking and what the business case is for that, I couldn't tell you. But <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for playing. But we now focus on your work. Fortunately, way past that. But for the Land Cruiser here, it doesn't look like old Land Cruisers. It doesn't. True. It True. has, yeah. I mean, the proportions don't. It's smaller. It looks lighter. Yeah. But okay, I can you know side by side. Okay, I'm starting to see some things, and you know that body side stamping mm-hmm. that wasn't on any of the previous Land Cruisers ever. But you know what? It works here. Mm. So I'm paying yeah. homage to mm. general shapes, but proportion is not there. It's not a big heavy feeling, and the wheel arches are completely different, and you know the the headlights. Okay, they're circular, but. It doesn't really look like old Land Cruisers. It, mm, it's mm. it's kind of there. It's you know yeah. we're touching yeah. on things and we've got the flavor, but we don't need to like bash you over the head with. Here's what it used to look like. Remember this? Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know. Ryan has another question related to this, and I've heard this question elsewhere, and I think it is a fantastic one. And that is, with the Land Cruiser getting smaller, cheaper, and simpler, and more off-road focus, 
what's Toyota going to do with the Forerunner? Make it anyway, and that. But this is a make fan, money anyway. This is a fantastic question. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and and the the simple way to do it would make a decontented Land Cruiser because the Land Cruiser really is going Land to Cruiser be. Land Cruiser T. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but because because the, the Land Cruiser really is in some ways the SUV version of the upcoming Tacoma now mm, versus yeah, the SUV yeah. version of the Tundra. It's like the up. So it's kind of stepped down, which is exactly where the Forerunner has existed. So do you make a Land Cruiser with less stuff and make a Forerunner, or can you take that chassis and go smaller again? This is an unknown. Toyota has not told us what's happening to the Forerunner, but I do think that this new Land Cruiser steps on its toes a bit. Mm, interesting. Jared Beyer on Facebook asks, from a design and marketplace perspective, how are the brands Hyundai and Kia differentiated? Mm. Genesis is clearly differentiated, but the other two, two to Jared, seem to overlap in odd ways. And certainly you can see that through styling, mm. but Kia has definitely been, we want to give you bang for the buck, but give you sportier flavor mm. and some of those shapes aren't quite as severe they're not quite as uh pushing the boundaries much like you could think of polestar versus volvo as the tip of the spear technologically is what polestar is mm -hmm. volvo we're gonna pull it back a little bit same kind of thing hyundai is really you know this is what we're leading with this is our premium brand or i mean not our premium brand but this is what people will mostly buy mm -hmm. is the Hyundai. And then Genesis is more premium. We can do different things with that. Kia, really, it, they want you to make you feel like you bought something really quality, like you got the Hyundai, but you still discovered something nobody else didn't. Mm. That's where they're at. And you, there's great discoveries to be made. But then they come out with things like the Kia Stinger. But they didn't always take every styling cue from car to car in mind. That Stinger still has the Tiger Nose Kia signature grill. Yep. But everything else about it, not really Kia flavor, but mm. they're kind of letting themselves spread their wings a little bit stylistically speaking and do some different things. I mean, what what is the Hyundai equivalent of the Kia Stinger GT? Nothing. Mm. And Good point. Yeah. It, it's not necessarily price point anymore. Mm. It's more about Kia can kind of do a little bit crazier. You know, it's, they're the crazy uncle, I guess, of the <laughs> of the Korean brand, right? <laughs> the Hyundai crazy uncle. What does that car look like? That's a, that's a minivan. That's a minivan that does unexpected things. Although, you know, with Hyundai with the Elantra N, they kind of mm -hmm. went nuts. They had to re rethink the front the, end. The, here's but. the thing. I, I hate to say this. The Kia crazy uncle is crazy spelled with a K. You know crazy it is. Crazy Uncle. The Kia there Crazy Uncle. Go. It's like when Toyota and Honda were naming their cars like Super Happy Fun Car in Japan. <laughs> it's that kind of thing. It's the Kia Crazy Uncle coming soon to a dealer near you. <laughs> Justin Taylor says, do we feel a huge power difference at different elevations in naturally aspirated cars? He lives in Denver. Most of his favorite roads are above 8,000 feet. There's a lot of good roads in that area that are that high. He'd love to drive a light car like a GR86 or Miata, but he's concerned that he would be he would be underwhelmed by the power. He has a Focus ST right now, and if the power is down on these cars by as much as 25%, isn't he going to be disappointed? Uh, Justin, I think it really depends on what you're enjoying about the car. Mm. I've driven a GR86 at sea level. I've driven it in our area at 9,000 feet. Does it have less power at 9,000 feet? Yes, it does. Do I care? No, I do not, because I'm on a mountain road. Mm -hmm. And I think the the balance of an 86 or a Miata on a mountain road would overcome the fact that you know you're down on power from that Turbo Focus ST. What I recommend to you is, do you have a friend that has one or can you Turo one? 
and give it a shot on some of those roads because I suspect that the balance and rotation is going to be so intoxicating and so enjoyable that the loss of power is not going to matter. Lewis P. on Facebook asks about Mazda. Now that they've got an inline six in their lineup, wouldn't it be cool if Toyota teamed up with them instead of BMW for the next generation Supra? Not going to happen. And then Mazda could just... (laughs) Well, all right. We had that conversation. Well, the reason is, Lewis, is because that requires completely different tooling. You have to retool the factory, and Mm -hmm. the investment to do that would be massive. And the Supra and Z4 don't already... they're, They're not huge money makers they're almost loss leaders in comparison yeah. so to retool the factory to integrate this and then let that uh that relationship that they've already built let that go i mean it sounds cool from an enthusiast standpoint but there's a lot of political machinations that you have to consider there yeah and you know he's saying mazda could justify some cool two plus two rear wheel drive sports car like a successor to the rx8 i think mm. they, that mazda could do it anyway because they could use that in a bunch of different things. They could use that in an SUV. They yeah. could put it in a larger GT kind of car, yeah. like a two plus two, like yeah. you're suggesting. And they could make some fun, like a slightly larger Miata, like Ho- a Miata you and I could fit in. Ho- hopefully they're going to do a series of things with that engine. I'm really, really hoping for that. Yeah. Yes. But what that inline six does is lend itself to a long hood. And yeah, it beautiful does. proportions. Be yeah. That's the whole point. That inline six just makes long, beautiful hoods mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. A, a gorgeous shape to go along with that. That's what that implies. Yeah. Even, I mean, the Supra has a pretty long hood. You're sitting pretty far back from you that are. front axle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But again, they've already got the BMW relationship. They've built that. The cars are already built in Austria. So then you'd have to figure out, okay, so now we're closer to home, but how are we going to manage all this? So there's just a lot of toes to not step on there in in all those relationships, right? Guys, thank you so much for all your questions. We really appreciate it. Your creativity always surprises me. And in keeping with my new theme here, I continue to look at our podcast analytics and our listenership in Singapore has now surpassed Germany. Wow. Singapore. Somebody just playing the podcast on a loop. That's really cool. I like that. Maybe it's, you know, on loudspeakers at the pool at the Marina Bay Sands or something. (laughs) I don't know. We're going, it's the Americans again. Those guys. Stop. Shut that off. No, I, I appreciate that. From wherever you are on the planet, we really appreciate your listenership, your viewership. Write to us from wherever you are. We're looking forward to hearing from you, and we're always looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>